We're going to continue with the instructions for the tabernacle in Exodus 27. You shall make the altar of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide. The altar shall be square, its height shall be three cubits. You shall make its horns on its four corners, its horns shall be of one piece with it, and overlay it with bronze. You shall make its pots to take away its ashes and its shovels, its basins, its meat hooks and its fire pans. You shall make all its vessels of bronze. You shall make a grating for it of network of bronze. On the net you shall make four bronze rings in its four corners. You shall put it under the ledge around the altar beneath that the net may reach halfway up the altar. You shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. Its poles shall be put into the rings, and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar when carrying it. You shall make it hollow with planks. They shall make it as it has been shown to you on the mountain. You shall make the court of the tabernacle for the south side southward. There shall be hangings for the court of fine twine linen, 100 cubits long for one side. Its pillars shall be 20, and their sockets 20 of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be silver. Likewise, for the length of the north side there shall be hangings 100 cubits long, and its pillars 20, and their sockets 20 of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. For the width of the court on the west side shall be hangings of 50 cubits, their pillars 10, and their sockets 10. The width of the court on the east side eastward shall be 50 cubits. The hangings for the one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits, their pillars 3, and their sockets 3. For the other side shall be hangings of 15 cubits, their pillars 3, and their sockets 3. For the gate of the court shall be a screen of 20 cubits of blue and purple and scarlet of fine twined linen, the work of the embroiderer, their pillars 4, and their sockets 4. All the pillars of the court around shall be filleted with silver, their hooks of silver and their sockets of bronze. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits, and the width 50 throughout, and the height 5 cubits of fine twined linen and their sockets of bronze. All the instruments of the tabernacle in all its service, and all its pins, and all the pins of the court shall be of bronze. He shall command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause a lamp to burn continually. In the tent of meeting outside the veil, which is before the covenant, Aaron and his sons shall keep it in order from evening to morning before Yahweh. It shall be a statute forever throughout their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. So, we've got more descriptions of the tabernacle and the first big piece of furniture. Well, at least in the outer court. So, there were three sections. The tabernacle is, you know, basically a big rectangle and uh, it's 100 cubits long, which uh, a cubit is roughly from here to here. So, 100 of those. So, let's say that's 48, 50 centimetres. This is going to be a 50 metre long structure and 50 cubits wide, so 25 metres wide approximately. And that big outside area is called the outer court and certain pieces of furniture were placed there. But then the section that we described in the last 
video is the inner part and it's two rooms. The first room is the holy place and then a veil and then the most holy place. And I notice that various things are made of either silver or gold or bronze. You know, like in the Olympics, you get gold if you come first, silver second, bronze third. It seems that more or less, all the items that went into the most holy place were gold. And roughly speaking, in the holy place, there were items of silver and of gold, but in the outer court, the items were mostly of bronze, but there was some silver there too. So you've got this three-part structure, and um, pretty much everyone could go into the outer court to bring their sacrifices, but only priests would go into the holy place, and they would do burn incense and put bread on the table and things like that. Then only the high priest would go into the most holy place once a year. So you can see there's like levels of access. And uh, the process for getting into the, the holy place and the most holy place required sacrifices and, and preparation and all sorts of stuff to do that. So God was basically um, more or less unapproachable unless you really had your buttons done up, things were done properly. And um, of course, at the same time, God was really approachable because if you think about it, anyone could come to God. Anyone could come into that outer court and bring a sacrifice and approach God. So God was both being demonstrated as approachable, anyone could come, but also as unapproachable. And um, God's always like that. He's, he's both of those things at the same time. He's completely open to anyone who may come, but at the same time, he's holy and he's, he's inspiring and awesome. And, and not anyone can just presume upon God. He is both of these things. Later on in the Bible, uh, we're in the moment when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. So this was in the temple, not in the tabernacle, but it's the same three-part system of outer court, holy place, most holy place. And that veil was the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And that was the curtain that you couldn't go through unless you were a high priest once a year. But when Jesus died and that veil was torn, it was symbolically saying that 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 kind of rule that limiting us from going in was was gone and that's the wonderful thing about the blood of christ it just it makes us all able to come into god's presence at any time and so we've now got the first piece of furniture in the altar uh, in the outer court which is the altar and that's a symbol of christ because christ is our sacrifice and any of us can come to Christ at any time, just as that altar was placed in the outer court and anyone could come to it at any time. Now, this chapter finishes by talking about the, the burning of lamps. So Aaron and the priests, they had this job of making sure there were lamps burning continuously. So this is not the golden menorah. That was another thing. But th these are different lamps. And um, there was certain incense, which was an olive oil, and it had to be topped up and they had to keep these lamps continuously burning and um, sometimes you know if you were living there at the time you probably would have thought <laughs> why are we doing this why do we have to keep a lamp burning all the time and you would have wondered about it but then you see um, we come to the new testament you see jesus tells stories you know and he tells the story of the five uh, foolish virgins and the five wise virgins and the five wise virgins were the ones that kept their oil lamps continually burning and they kept them trimmed. 
but the five foolish ones were the ones that let their lamps run out. <laughs> so you see, the symbolism of the Old Testament is now in the New Testament, and Jesus was teaching us that to be wise Christians, we need to keep our lamps trimmed and our oil burning continuously. What was he saying? What he was saying was that we need to keep the Holy Spirit in us. That's the oil. We need to be constantly filled with oil, and we need to keep our light shining for Christ. And so way back there in the Old Testament, the priests had this job of keeping the light shining and keeping the oil filled up. Well, in the New Testament, we're told that we're all a priest and we all have this job of remaining full of the Holy Spirit and keeping our light shining for Christ. In other words, our witness, our willingness to talk of Christ to others. So, so often things that are in the Old Testament, they talk about Christ or they talk about what we are supposed to do because we're the priest. Jesus is the high priest. So all of these things are just actually teaching us. And if you think about it, the early Christians didn't have a New Testament. So when any, anyone, whenever anyone came to preach in a New Testament church, those early churches, they were using these types of Old Testament things for their sermons, just like I've done right now. So I guess the question is, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Have you been keeping your oil topped up? Is your light shining for Christ? I hope so. If not, let's pray about that right now. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit today. Let us be constantly a witness for you. Let the light of Christ shine within us so that those around us are witnessing, witnessing the Lord, witnessing God. And just as like the children of Israel could see the light burning at, at all times of day and night and knew that God was there, Lord, let people see God in us. Let the light shine in us continuously. Fill us with the Spirit afresh, I pray today in Jesus' name.